Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Thursday, January the 25th, 2024, getting to the end of the first month of 2024. It's been an interesting month. Highlight for me, as many regular viewers and listeners know, uh, is the annual or was the annual DLD conference in Munich, full of old friends and new friends, an excellent event, probably in my view, the best tech event of the year, either in Europe or elsewhere. And one of the more intriguing presentations I thought at DLD uh, was one by my guest today, Ehud Shapiro. He's a computer scientist at the Weizmann Institute of Science, but he gave a, an intriguing presentation on grassroots digital democracy. And I'm thrilled that uh, Ehud Shapiro is joining us. He's on sabbatical at the London School of Economics, so he's joining us from London. Ehud, uh, as I said, your, your background is in tech, but you're focusing more and more on digital democracy. How did you get from computer science to democracy? Well, uh, I guess uh, it started uh, around 30 years ago when uh, I was working with my team on high-level languages for distributed computing. And the web started to emerge. And I thought, wow, this, this will be the ultimate distributed computing system of systems of, the, of them all. And we started to look at what we could contribute to the web as it was emerging. And one thing that the web did not have at the time 30 years ago was people. Because initially, the web was just a bunch of documents uh, with links among them. And all you could do is just browse from one document to another, click on a link, on a link go to another document, etc. And we thought that the people who are behind these documents and are looking at them and interacting with them are missing, and we should try to add them. So I started a company called Ubique in 1993. And our vision was kind of to allow multiple communities, diverse communities, independent, autonomous communities to emerge on the internet, each with their own areas of interest, each with their own sets of documents and links, and maybe links to other, other communities. And that's what we built. And we launched a, a piece of software, a product, software product called Virtual Places in 1995, which was supposed to allow that. And uh, I would say that's the uh, starting point of, of what we did, trying to bring people to the web and hoping that they will do good. Uh, Ehud, some people might be listening or watching to this and saying, well, his intention is noble, but over the last 25 years, the web, the internet has turned into this uh, mob uh, environment for misinformation, propaganda, hatred. Looking back now, you've been around the internet since its inception in the early 90s. Uh, what's the scorecard? Is is digital democracy more or less a reality in 2024 uh, than it was in 1994? Well, so first to my defense, I can say that after uh, uh, founding my company, launching virtual places, I sold it to America Online, then bought it back, um, and then sold it again to IBM in uh, 1998. Yeah, I, I'm not blaming you for uh, uh, 
mob violence on the internet uh, mm -hmm. it, it was more of a broader question about not, not so much yeah. your own experience but the, the general the, the general perhaps too much democracy or too much direct democracy or not enough democracy online the rise of authoritarianism the crisis of democracies around the world i wonder how you would compare the web in 1994 and in 2024 in terms of democracy okay so uh, i will get to that in a, in a second i would say that i was away for 20 years and eight years ago when i came back uh, kind of to talk about my work i also spoke about the internet and what happened and i claimed eight years ago that we are in the middle ages of the internet where it's controlled by feudal lords that uh, have uh, uh, control of the judiciary executive uh and legislative um powers of, of the communities and when we enter the web we are subject to this control so it was a very very different uh result from what we envisioned uh, uh 30 years ago and actually uh for the last eight years since then i slowly got deeper and deeper in trying to fix that so i fully subscribe to the point that, that to the position that uh, that things are really bad and, and much worse than what we anticipated uh, in many ways. And I have also my opinion on, on why it happened and how to fix that. So perhaps you might explain why it happened. What was, what has been the biggest problem over the last 30 years in terms of the internet, ideally becoming a platform for democracy, but seemingly degenerated into degenerating into a a a a, 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 conic, a, cac, a a cacophony of mob hysteria and propaganda and hatred and all the rest of it well i think uh, a telling uh, fact is is that google which was one of the early internet companies had had in their um uh tagline uh, do no evil and uh, they hung uh, onto that for a few years and after a few years they just removed it and the reason they removed it is because they realized that they're doing evil and i think the best way to summarize the evil that has been going on is, is uh, um, through the concept of uh, shoshana zuboff's uh, notion of uh, uh, surveillance capitalism that basically what happened is that a business model was developed that uh, motivated all parties involved to be uh, manipulative, exploitative, and to, to do evil, basically, uh, unlike the initial promise of the internet. And you combine this with the power of the monopolies that emerge and with the lack of regulation and with the lack of understanding of the implications of what's going on. So we basically have now these uh, monolithic, uh, behemoths that uh, have extreme financial technological and political power that are very difficult uh, to rein in and and uh, and to to change the direction in which we're heading and and frankly the emergence of ai even strengthens this direction and makes it even more difficult to to stop you mentioned uh, zuboff she was on the show a few years ago uh, actually blurb her book, uh, The Age of Surveillance Capitalism. Is the problem with the web capitalism and democracy, a capitalism and democracy, or digital capitalism and digital democracy, are they incompatible, or is it the form of capitalism that has evolved on, on the internet? Well, I'm not sure I know how to answer that. Uh, I'm not 
against capitalism as such, uh, and I'm not against technology as such. Uh, I'm not a Luddite, uh, and, uh, but I think that technology could have uh, been structured differently, and actually that's, that's the, the motivation for, for my work and my research. Um, there has been a shift, which, which, which we should acknowledge. Uh, it's ongoing. It's the big shift from uh, centralized uh, authoritarian systems into more distributed systems, uh, manifested, exemplified by Bitcoin and Ethereum and the, the whole uh, cryptocurrencies blockchain community. So there is a shift and there is a technology that supports this shift. But um, uh, at least the way I view it, the shift, the shift is in the right direction, but it stops short in that it uh, provides for um, plutocracy, not democracy. So the new platforms that emerge are better than the autocratic ones. Uh, they're still capitalistic and people want to make money and they're structured so that money flows from the multitudes to the few. And I think uh, this is not synonym with capitalism. Capitalism can also work with everybody gets rich, not just a few get gets rich. And uh, the, the, the motivation for my work is providing this third alternative, the third architecture for, for the digital realm, which will, will allow this to develop. We'll talk about that third realm, but let's pursue your idea that at the moment uh, there are two main architectures, uh, the autocratic one and the plutocratic one. How do they manifest themselves online? And are they mirrored in the real world itself, in the physical world, off the internet, off, uh, off the network? Um, well, I don't think so. It's just, you know, we live in democracies, many of us, not maybe, uh, hopefully the majority of the audience, but, but certainly not the entire population of the world and far from that. But as soon as we enter the digital world through, through our phones, we almost always land in an autocracy, in a feudal system, which we have no uh, civil rights, no due process, uh, where, uh, and we are manipulated and exploited the way uh, Zuboff explained um, uh, so well. So that's sort of the majority. Now there is this up and coming cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, which, which tries to fix that. Uh, and it's also only in the digital realm, not quite on our smartphones. Sometimes we need uh, you know, more powerful computers to access them. But, but the structure is the same, uh, well, not the same, the structure is such that uh, there are a few that have the power and control, you know, large server farms, people with a lot of money to put, do proof of stake, and et cetera, et cetera. And the multitudes are, are uh, sort of helping the, the few get, get uh, richer and richer. So that's the structure of, of the digital realm. Now, I think going to your question i think it has major implications on the physical realm in the sense that if you look at communities real communities in the real world uh they are they are deprived and uh, the, their wealth and uh, social power and political power are all deprived by being sucked into the global platform so we don't buy it as shopper at the shop next door we get a, a package from amazon uh, or we don't, our social circles are not necessarily physical within the community. We socialize with people all over the world. And also our political power is deprived because uh, we do not unite within our local communities. And also the global platforms have a lot of political power and lobbying power in many countries. Uh, for example, there were numerous articles about how Facebook sides with oppressive regimes against the interest of the population because that's how they get their... Uh, 
um, uh, tax benefits and other benefits. So, so the, the, the global platforms play a detrimental role on, on real physical communities worldwide. What about in political power? Uh, you're based in Israel. Uh, lots that we've done lots of shows on the shift or the drift towards authoritarianism in Israel under Netanyahu. Did a show yesterday with Bernard Avishai. Uh, lots of shows, of course, on Trump upcoming election in 2024. Thomas Friedman just wrote a interesting op-ed in the New York Times suggesting that uh, the choice was becoming increasingly clear between autocracy, uh, a kind of plutocratic, a plutocratic autocracy versus a, a, a distributed or, 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 or networked democracy. Um, how is this playing out in politics? Has the internet enabled men like Orban, Putin, Netanyahu, Trump? What's the connection between? the age of surveillance capitalism, the rise of trillion-dollar companies like Google, and the rise of men like Trump and Netanyahu? Okay, I think we're getting... I'm a technology person, as you know, so I'm, I feel less uh, qualified to, to have professional opinions, but I definitely have well, professional Well, that's why I'm I, asking. I, I mean, you can't, you, Ehud, with all respect, you can't talk about democracy and, and and sidestep the real world can you no 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 i'm i definitely i'm definitely interested in the real world i'm just qualifying the value of my statements um uh before i say them i'm, I'm not shy of making statements um so first of all i think it's a combination in my mind it's a combination of, of several factors one is that uh in general representative democracies around the world have failed their populations uh, the, the, the promise of equality uh, has been uh, hampered by the connection between money and political power everywhere. It's, it's, it's the most manifest in the United States where you can just buy political power, literally, and it's legal. Uh, it's less manifest in other places, but it's quite universal. And in my mind, there's one major exception, well, um shining exception i'm not sure i don't major major but that's uh, switzerland and uh people tend to gloss over democracy in switzerland because it's like different or bizarre or unique but i think its fundamentals are the ones that should be followed also in the digital realm which is true citizens participation and true citizens power uh so i i can talk a lot about swiss democracy but the key thing is that the citizens have always the power to prevent the parliament from from uh, uh, making rules they don't they don't like, uh, and this power is is of fundamental value. And the lack of it causes this uh, ongoing drift that weakens the trust of people in in democracies because they're influenced so much by money and lack equality. And this relates to the to the to the digital world in two ways. First of all the global platforms that control the digital world are autocratic and serve their own uh, commercial interests and and their commercial interests are to inflame people and uh, and and um, cause them to be online and fight with each other for as long as possible because that's their they also look at ads while they do that so that's that's a very direct uh, thing and so you mean that when you look is, at ads it makes you a less good citizen an angrier citizen is that your point no 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 you you they want you to be online and the way they 
they hook you online is to have emotionally charged uh, content. And while you're online, you also see 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 uh, advertisements which cause the the, the the online platforms to get rich. I don't say the the advertisements themselves are necessarily causing harm. I'm saying the reason they want you to be emotionally engaged is so that you will be online, so that they while you are there. When you, you say also... they, who are you talking about? Uh, all the global platforms that employ surveillance capitalism, you know, uh, starting from Facebook, uh, Twitter, X, you know, you name it. Um, so the, the, that's sort of the, the so so that's that's one aspect. The other aspect is because of their uh, commercial structure, you can actually buy influence, and you can pay money and buy influence online, and uh, the influence could be you know detrimental to the interests of the citizens because it may serve authoritarian rulers, and there is ongoing accusations uh, which uh, I'm. I'm repeat. I'm, I'm repeating because they've been made numerous times without any defamation claims or anything. That there was a deal between Netanyahu and Facebook, uh, which following it, uh, following that deal, the day after the deal was made, Netanyahu is, uh, insisted on ruling in the Israeli Parliament to cut the to ensure that Facebook faces zero uh, taxes in Israel, and subsequent to that, uh, there were all sorts of indications that uh, Netanyahu has preferential treatment uh, and his proxies and his bots and et cetera, et cetera, have preferential treatment on, on Facebook, despite numerous attempts by ongoing attempts by citizens to, 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 to fight against that. Uh, and in general, the, 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 the citizens in Israel have great difficulties to, to organize and express and uh, over the, 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 the digital platforms that are available because uh, they seem to be um, more favorable or less more favorable to the ruling uh, regime and less favorable to those who oppose it. I would say that. We are speaking with uh, Ehud Shapiro from the Weizmann Institute of Science uh, in Israel. He's currently on sabbatical in London. He gave a fascinating presentation on di grassroots digital democracy. I want to get to that in the second part of our show. But I want to remind everyone that these high-quality guests and conversations are brought to us uh, by Liberties, a quarterly journal of culture and politics. Excellent new publication. Everyone, including um, uh, Ehud, will, uh, everyone who comes on the show will get a complimentary annual subscription. Going to run a short feature on Liberties, and then we'll be back with uh, Ehud Shapiro to talk about the solution. We've talked about the problems. Now we want to get to the fix. What exactly can and should digital democracy look like in the 21st century? So don't go away, anyone. We'll be back in a second. The news, the noise, there is nuance, insight. Liberties is not just a journal of ideas. It's a meteor of intelligent substance. It's the place to be for engaged citizens. Politics, opinion, substance. Liberties is a triumph for freedom of thought. A quarterly of urgency, of cultural exploration, of intellectual delight, of immaculate prose. It's invaluable. Subscribe now or find Liberties at your favorite bookseller. And you can subscribe to Liberties at libertiesjournal.com. We're speaking with Ehud Shapiro from the Weizmann Institute of Science in Israel, currently on sabbatical at the LSE, talking to us from Fitzrovia. Uh, in central London. He gave an intriguing presentation at DLD this year, Grassroots Digital Democracy. So 
Ehud, how do we get to this third way? We've talked about the autocratic and plutocratic nature of online democracy. How do we find a, an alternative, a better alternative than either autocracy or plutocracy online? Yes. So this has been a journey of, of the last eight years for me with uh, students and colleagues at Weizmann in Israel and around the world. And I, I would say if there is one principle that, that kind of guided, guided us through and still is the guiding principle, is this notion of equality. That uh, dem democracy is not an end in itself, but it's a means. It's a means to achieve equality, political equality, which actually is, without it, it's also very difficult to get uh, economic equality. I would say in a negative way, without much of the reasons for lack of equality, economic equality is a result of lack of political equality and uh, so once you uphold the this principle of political equality and start exploring there are, there are lots of questions that need to be answered and we try to answer every every major question we have encountered uh, maybe i would say that the beginning of our exploration uh, the first several years of research was imagining a digital community and trying to see how can we achieve equality in its governance? And it turns out that in, in earthly democracies, you, sometimes, you make do with just one person, one vote, you know, this uh, um, elector representative and be quiet for four years and hope for the best. As I said, Switzerland has more power to the citizens. Still, you elect your representatives, but you have much more, many more checks and balances uh, for the citizens. But if you go digital, you have no restrictions. You can, you have, basically, you can examine everything from scratch. And we did examine everything from scratch, including equality in uh, constitution formation and amendment, equality in not only in uh, uh, voting, but also in proposing, because those who control the agenda of what is on the table for voting has a lot, have a lot of power. So you want equality also in proposing, equality in deliberation, coalition formation. So we have a whole suite of solutions and answers to how a digital community can behave can govern itself in a democratic way. But then we sort of face the question, okay, this digital community lives out there in the digital world, what does it operate upon? And clearly when, when you started, the idea that you will run on someone else's server is, is kind of, uh, doesn't make sense because they can always pull the plug, you know, or if they're super user, they can get into whatever system you have and change the rules, change the results of the votes, change everything. Uh, and then cryptocurrencies uh, emerged, uh, the notion of smart contract. And we said, hey, we have our solution. Whatever you want to build, we will build uh, the best, most beautiful democracy as a smart contract on top of a cryptocurrency such as Ethereum. And for a while, we thought that's the, that's the direction. But then uh, two things, we, we realized a few things. First of all, the underlying platform is a plutocracy. So let's say we are extreme and plutocracy that is built on transfer of wealth from its users to its operators. That's it's charged for gas. They they have basically they charge for transaction fees. So uh, whatever you do, if if we are successful in bringing the masses, a billion billions of people into digital democracy that runs on top of a plutocracy, we've basically instigated massive wealth transfer from the masses to the few, which is opposite of what we want. So that's kind of the moral, political aspect. But more fundamentally, scientifically, if we look at the inner workings of blockchains and cryptocurrencies, we see that what they try to do, this work, uh, 
these protocols of called proof of work or proof of stake, what they try to do is eliminate fake identities. Uh, they, you have to prove that you have a uh, muscle, you have lots of competing power by proof of work, or you have lots of money by proof of stake and put on the table a lot of stake to participate. All this is to prevent non-existent entities from participating. But democracy, digital democracy, has to solve exactly the same problem. It doesn't work if you have fake identities that participate in the vote because if you will not have one person, one vote. So either you solve the problem of civil identities at the top level uh, within the democracy, and then you don't need the proof yeah, of work. And how of this different platform. is this from the problems that we've been arguing about for more than 200 years. I know you go back to the Declaration um, yeah. of Human Rights, uh, the, the, the Declaration of the Rights of Man uh, back in 1789, the foundational texts of both the French and the American revolutions. You've talked about Switzerland. Of course, mm -hmm. when one thinks about direct democracy in Switzerland, one thinks of Rousseau and the debates between Rousseau and many others in the late 18th century what did what did what did you what have we learned historically you keep on going back to surveillance capitalism which is a relatively new phenomenon um what have we learned from the experiences of real democracy over the last 250 years both the failure perhaps of the french revolution the russian revolution the chinese revolution all announced in the declaration of the rights of man and perhaps the more guarded success of, of the American model? What, 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 what have we learned from history and how can those lessons be applied to the digital realm now? Okay, I'm sorry, I'm a one trick pony. And uh, for me, the one and only thing that, that matters and, and, and that was also the conclusion from my study of the declarations of uh, the rights of men and of the citizen is that uh, Equality is the guiding principle. If you explore this declaration, it has, I think, 15 articles. Yeah, but what, what do you mean by it? I, I, I take that and I, I read about your notion of, is that economic equality, cultural equality, the right for everybody to vote? Does that include children? Does that include people who aren't citizens? Okay. So equality within the context of democracy or governance is political equality, equality and political power. And... Um, who who is the who is the dominion or or, or uh, who has the right to participate? That's that's uh, a huge question, uh, which I I do not necessarily have have an answer to. But I think that the one thing about digital communities is that they're sovereign. So any group of people, young, old, migrants, non-migrants, uh, with citizenship, without citizenship. Uh, across multiple countries, they can um, uh, form a community, they can federate and can try to exert their political power uh, within the digital realm and hopefully also within, uh, within the physical realm. So, so I think the answer, it, it's always for me a kind of a bifurcation thing, you know, are, am I talking about democracy in the digital world or am I talking about using the digital world to improve the democracy yeah, I the wonder whether there's system. a sort of you're, you're not you're not I have to admit you're not convincing me uh, it, it sounds to me like you could just imagine equality in in any community so these Silicon Valley types who are creating new communities in California or offshore are they as legitimate or relevant to your model as 
actual states, the United States, Israel, China, Iran. You're, you're okay, operating in such an, an abstract realm. I'm not sure how that actually applies to the real world. Okay, so uh, let's try to be more, more concrete. What am I trying to achieve in, in this uh, new architecture? So first and foremost is to offer an egalitarian architecture for the digital realm so that people, real, real people in real communities can have local social network which they control, not third parties. In, the, in any village you can think about, they can have local digital economy which they control, not Bitcoin or Ethereum, etc. They can have political structures that no one can, can interfere with the same way that Zuckerberg and Musk interfere with the political structures or political organizations in Israel when they think they step, step out of line of their unwritten, uh, unknown, un, non-public uh, rules of conduct. So the, the, the con very concrete and specific goal is to empower real communities to work within the digital realm in a way that is not under the control of third parties. That's a very clear and, and, and practical and simple statement. And within that, we wish to provide foundations for egalitarian uh, uh, democratic governance of these communities. But of course, you cannot force people to, to, to operate right. this, uh, uh, in egalitarian I, I, I take your point. So what would be a model? I mean, Wikipedia, perhaps? What, what models have existed online for these egalitarian structures, uh, structures in the digital realm? Is, is Wikipedia yeah. one model? Well, uh, OK. So as a starter, I say, unfortunately, there are no models. Uh, it has, we're proposing something new that has not existed. And as I stated in my talk, the culprit is not political or economic uh, um, or social, but the culprit is computer science. Computer science has not delivered the necessary foundations for that. And that's why I'm doing basic foundational computer science work to provide these foundations for this third alternative. Specifically, Wikipedia is an excellent example because it is seemingly democratic you have editors you have participants you have community you have that but legally and in reality you have a board i don't know the size nine people 11 people whatever the, the board of wikimedia inc which can decide tomorrow to shut down wikipedia so uh uh you know, and, the, and it, it may be their, their fiduciary responsibility to do that if uh, Wikipedia may, may, uh, may go bankrupt. So on the surface, Wikipedia is like a very open-ended, global, democratic, blah, blah. But legally and operationally, it is under the control of a very small group of people that informally, legally, and may, may shut it down tomorrow. So Wikipedia is not an example. And... As I said, there is no existing example to what... Uh, to what, what about in theory? Um, have you read Rousseau's Social Contract? Uh, oh, yes, of course. Some of, of course. The, the, the parodies of... Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, ideal so community, actually, um, Moore's Utopia or Plato's Republic. What, what are the models that you're imagining yes. that could exist? So the, no, the idea of a social contract... Uh, by the way, I keep seeing my uh, Wikipedia pages that... Uh, on purpose or yeah or I'm, uh, I'm showing you it because uh we talked about wikipedia oh okay okay fine yes so um so we did 
look uh, together with colleagues at various models and the notion of a social contract is fundamental. However, not the notion of, uh, of Rousseau, which assumes some outside power, but actually the notion of uh, Proudhon, uh, the French, uh, which is uh, uh, who is considered considered he's considered the, the the father of anarchism, but his initial views were not necessarily anarchistic. What he what he claimed is that the social contract should be uh, among uh, among uh, people uh, act who act voluntarily. So he, in a sense, he anticipated the notion of a digital community because. He's not, the notion of voluntarily joining a, a, a social contract among people on an equal basis, and he's in, he put great stress and importance on this notion of, of equal footing uh, for the people and putting the people on, on, on equal footing. So his, uh, his notion of a social contract among equal parties who join it voluntarily are, is precisely the notion we need for the digital realm because you want digital communities that people join voluntarily and are uh, governed in an egalitarian way or uh, controlled. Uh, and, I still don't understand who's doing the davening and can you just join and unjoin? I, I mean, we all went on Facebook or Twitter in the beginning. People talked about these as communities. Uh, the yes. whole point of so, the whole point of the real world. I, I don't probably need to tell you this is we have rights not just rights, but also responsibilities. Where's the responsibilities here in your ideal community? Uh, well, I, I wouldn't call it ideal. I would say I'm preparing the technological foundations that people can, if they want and choose to, form egalitarian sovereign communities. And maybe I haven't, I haven't used the word sovereign until now, which is, is, a, uh, is a, uh, was lacking and it should have been used prominently because the difference between what we're trying to achieve and Facebook and Twitter, etc., is that the people who form these communities, unlike a group in Facebook or, uh, or, or similar things, uh, they are the sovereign. They are uh, the, the controllers, uh, the governance of their own destiny, and they're not subject to third party control. And this is a high kind of level statement, but it, it, it goes down technically to, to, the, to the point that this all operates, should operate. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a design, it's not an implementation yet. It should operate on the participants' personal computers. The consensus protocols that will run, that are necessary to run the necessary social contracts, which are similar to smart contracts, will run on the people's smartphones, not on third-party servers, without miners, without validators, without third parties that, that uh, are, uh, um, take rent uh, uh, for their service. And um, that's that's the te the technology will allow that, and hopefully the people will uh, will uh, uptake it in in a good uh, in, a, in a in a positive way. You know, Rousseau had similar ideas to you, and many intellectual historians have traced the origins of twentieth century totalitarianism and his cult of the general will back to Rousseau. Would you worry if I, I understand that you're building the the architecture to enable this? But is there a danger that that this ideal world that you're trying to build will actually become a nightmare, a dystopia, the kinds of <laughs> totalitarian systems of the 20th century run by the ideal of a general will that no one can quite understand so some dictator can actually claim to speak on behalf of everybody? 
Well, first, I'm still kind of distracted by keep seeing my Wikipedia pages. Oh, I don't know why that's happening. I apologize. I'm not seeing it, but it's, uh, you know, the internet, Ehud, you can never trust it. Yeah, well, that's the problem. Uh, let's see what, okay, that, that's all I see right now anyway. My own Wikipedia page, which is kind of not the most uh, illuminating site. Okay, let me so, see if I can get rid of I, it. I, I get rid of it for you? Sure. Okay, but continue. Okay, so um, uh, I think that, as I said, the, the, first of all, I, we're developing technology which um, uh, could, could be used and misused and abused, but I think it's built in based on, on, uh, on um, principles and is guided by principles, uh, ethical principles, which increase the chance that it will be used for, for the better and could be used for good purposes. I'm not saying it cannot be used for bad purposes, but it can be, it can be used for good purposes. And certainly it will, it has the potential to do much better than the existing two technologies that I mentioned of autocratic client server systems, which do have totalitarian rulers or uh, plutocratic distributed systems, which do engage in mass transfer of wealth from the people to the, to the few, for the multitude to the few. So that's a third alternative. And as I said, this is not a Rousseau a vision of totalitarianism or, or powerful states, but it's the Proudhon vision of, in the extreme case, anarchism, but of people voluntarily uh, creating communities and uh, voluntarily uh, forming um, their digital life. So the vision I have, which, you know, it's not non-binding, I, I cannot force it to, to, to be realized, but is to give real communities of real people who are mostly deprived today by the digital platforms, global digital platforms, whether it's in small village everywhere or in, in, in the global south, uh, give them the tools to conduct their digital lives with the same richness that, that we have today on global digital platforms, but without them controlling us. So the, the goal is to have social networks, cryptocurrencies, uh, cooperatives, applications, all working on locally, you know, within the within the local communities, a local uh, Airbnb, a local Uber, a local um, um, digital marketplace, a local social network, which can grow and interoperate, but but keep the wealth, the power, the social power, the economic power, and the political power in the hands of the people within real communities. That's the goal. 